And now, it's time for the only show that doesn't care about ratings, Witness Radio, with your host, Ryan Muniak. Hello everyone and welcome again to Witness Radio, the only show that doesn't care about ratings. I'm your host, Ryan Muniak, and the sole purpose of this show is to save souls. On purpose. There was no show last week, if you were paying attention, because my lovely wife Elaine gave birth to our latest bundle of joy. Gabriel Ryan was born to us on April 16th at 3.18am. He's an early bird. I took last week off to help my wife around the house and take care of the children. Since I took a vacation last week, I don't have any witnessing clips to share with you today. Instead, I've got a special treat. A few weeks ago, I had the privilege to speak at Bulletsburg Baptist Church in Petersburg, Kentucky, and today, I'd like to share an excerpt of that message with you. The full message can be found at muniacfamily.com if you're interested, and this message is called The Conversion Test. It admonishes people to examine themselves in the light of Scripture. I did not grow up in a Christian home. Uh, In fact, uh, if you ask my dad, we're Catholic, although we never went to church except for funerals and weddings. And uh, when I was a a young boy, probably eight or nine, I started going to church with friends of mine uh, because I had nothing better to do on Sundays. And they were always at church, so I decided to join them. They had a kids' church program, and, you know, I thought that was pretty fun because you went and you sang songs and played games and got candy, and I don't remember why, but there was a blue gorilla in the mix. Uh, But one day, uh, supposedly, I raised my hand and said a prayer and was saved, or that's what everyone told me. And uh, didn't think anything of it. Eventually stopped going for one reason or another. And moved over to my teenage years. And I was not a very good teenager, as most teenagers aren't very good. But uh, I was probably one of the worst. I was kicked out of my house multiple times. Eventually landing at my aunt and uncle's house had no choice. I was homeless and they were willing to take me in. The one requirement that they had for me to live with them was I had to attend church every Sunday. I reluctantly did so and about a year after I began living with them I attended a crusade with the power team. uh, Big muscly bodybuilder guys, ripped phone books in half and stuff. And uh, they gave a message that uh, without Jesus, you're weak. If you want to be strong like us, you need Jesus. So what did I do? Well, I was a weak teenager that wanted to be strong and rip phone books in half. So I bowed my head, I raised my hand, said the prayer, and they said I was saved. Again. Um, nothing changed. Continued living my life the way I was living. Now, I was able to put on a good face, a good front. You know, I fooled the best of them. But, uh, let's see, that was in 2000, and about eight years later, I'm living with my new wife. Uh, we had been married for two years, 
Yes, honey, I remember our anniversary. So we've been married for two years, and she was getting on me, harping on me. She said, you know, we really need to get back into church. It's not good that we're, we're Christians and, and not going to church. So finally, I, I gave in. I said, fine, we'll go to church. Well, which church do you want to go to? There's one at the corner. We'll go to that one. Didn't know anything about it. Just knew there was a church at the corner. So we went there that Sunday, and I'm not sure when exactly it happened, but from the time that I walked into that building to the time that I walked out of that building, God saved me, soundly saved me. You know, there was no altar call. There was no bowing your head, saying a prayer. There, was, there wasn't a gospel presentation. In fact, the preaching itself wasn't very good either. Um, as my wife will tell you, we, we didn't know anything about the Bible, but there were some things that that pastor said that made us look at each other like, that's not right. Uh, but anyway, so God used that to save me. Now, you're probably asking yourself, how in the world would going to a horrible church with a horrible message and a horrible pastor get you saved? No, the power of God unto salvation by itself. But God used that to open my eyes. He helped me to see that I was just like them, that I was pretending, that I was saying, I'm a Christian. You know, I was uh, trusting in this ticket to heaven I had from when I was 16, where I raised my hand and said a prayer. I was believing in that to get me to heaven. You know, I, I believed that uh, at that, you know, before that, that I, I believed that, you know, I had my ticket to heaven. I could go wherever I want. You know, I, I could do whatever I want. Didn't matter. I was going to heaven because I said that prayer. I had my ticket to heaven. And, you know, in, in my day-to-day interactions with people, I see a lot of others that are like that. They, you know, you can't tell them any differently. You can't say, uh, I thought you were a Christian. Oh, I am. Don't judge me. Well, but doesn't Jesus Don't judge me. Well, I thought Christians were... No, no. I'm good. I'm going to heaven. I've got my ticket. That was me. And God opened my eyes. He said, he, he showed me that I wasn't going to heaven, that I didn't have some imaginary ticket where I could be a mass murderer and still go to heaven or any other horrible sin. But he, was show, he showed me that I was a hypocrite and I was heading for hell. And the message that I'm going to share with you today is a message that the Apostle Paul shared with the Corinthian church. And it's to examine yourself. How many of us do that on a regular basis? How many of us uh, go into Scripture and say, you know what, I'm not lining up with what it says I'm, I'm supposed to be lining up with. Do we do that or or do we just sit there content with our daily Christian lives, our Christian walks, you know, coming into church, looking good on Sunday, Monday through Saturday, living like the devil? Well, let's go in the Bible today and let's find out uh, what Paul said to the Corinthian church and let's find out how we can examine ourselves. So 2 Corinthians 13.5, and I'll be reading from the ESV. 
the Apostle Paul says, Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Or do you not realize this about yourselves? That Jesus Christ is in you? Unless, indeed, you fail to meet the test. So a little bit of background behind this scripture here. The Apostle Paul had planted a church in Corinth. Excuse me. And there were some people who were claiming to be Christian, but not really. And they were causing a ruckus. They They were causing some problems. You had some false apostles or false teachers like we have today. I won't mention any names, but just watch TBN. <clears throat> but there were a lot of false prophets, false, uh, false apostles in, in, in the Corinthian church, and they were causing a lot of trouble. In fact, they were even saying that Paul, the apostle Paul, that, that he was wrong, that he was not uh, authoritative. They were they were questioning his authority given to him by Jesus. Well, in this letter, Paul, uh, specifically in ten through thirteen, Paul is admonishing them and rebuking them, and he's he's calling out these false apostles. He's calling out the Corinthians who are following them. He's. He's showing them that they are living in sin, and he's admonishing them. He says, examine yourselves. And that's what we need to do. You know, are our lives in line with the Word of God, or are we living our lives our own way? Matthew seven twenty one through 23, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. And he says, uh, Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of God, but the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. He goes on to say, or uh, no, they say that, uh, Well, Lord, didn't we do this and that and all these mighty works in your name? And he says, Depart from me, you worker of lawlessness. I never knew you. So think about that for a minute. Not everyone who calls out to Jesus, Lord, Lord, will go to heaven. Well, what does that mean? Does that mean that uh, not everyone who asks for Jesus to save them will be saved? No. It means that there's people who are pretending. As he said it uh, as Jesus says it, they're hypocrites. They're putting on a front, wearing a mask. They're faking it. And in Luke six forty six, Jesus says, "You call me Lord, but you don't do what I tell you to do." How many of us call Jesus Lord, but don't do what He commands? You know, how many of us sit there and, and read verses like what Ryan shared, Mark sixteen fifteen, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to every creature, and we don't do it. You know, that was a command given by Jesus. It doesn't say if you're gifted. It doesn't say 
if you're called. It doesn't say any of that. It, it says go. Now, does that mean everyone here should be an open-air preacher like me? No. Does it mean everyone here should start their own uh, podcast radio show so that they can witness to people? No. But everyone, if you are a Christian, you have a duty and an obligation to Christ to share your faith. Obviously, as the Lord leads you and as, as the Lord gives you the opportunity. Matthew 3, 8, the, uh, John the Baptist, he talks about a fruit of repentance. <clears throat> you know, when he was baptizing in the Jordan, he was baptizing with water for, the, for repentance of sins. And he was talking about how uh, there would be another coming, Jesus, who would baptize you, not with water, but with the Spirit, with the Holy Spirit. And he was saying, talking to the Pharisees, he said, you brood of vipers. Why aren't you keeping with, why aren't you showing any fruit of repentance? Even John the Baptist knew that the Pharisees were faking it, that they were pretending. And in Luke 18, starting in verse 10, we talk, we see, that's not 10. We see the Pharisee and the tax collector. And Jesus says, Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes to all that I get. But the tax collector standing far off, would not even lift his eyes up to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus says, I tell you, this man, the tax collector, went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Witnessing the people on the street, I come across a lot of people who think they're getting to heaven. They think they're good people. You know, a lot of them say they're Christian. And they give off a list of, of deeds. Say, oh, well, I, I, I tithe you know, regularly to my church. Um, my, my uncle's a deacon. They give all these reasons for why they should get into heaven. But there's no humbleness of heart. There's no repentance. And they're just a couple more pretenders, a couple more hypocrites. So I want to share with you another story uh, back from my teenage years. Uh, you know, one of the reasons that I decided to keep going to church aside from, you know, I had to, was uh, I found out that there were a lot of pretty girls in church. So that was my reason for going to church. It wasn't because of Jesus when I was a teenager. 
And, you know, I had the parents fooled. You know, the, the, the moms and dads of these girls, they thought I was just the nicest, sweetest boy. They thought I, I, was, I was the cream of the crop. But the truth of the matter is, I was a shark waiting to, waiting to bite. I could fool them, but I could not fool God. You know, he opened my eyes and, you know, hopefully he'll open some eyes here today. Are you pretending? Are you living the Christian life here in front of your congregation and then living a different life out in the world? Are you putting on a show? Are you a hypocrite? Seems like a strong term, a a tough term. Well, it is. But I figured Jesus used it, so it's okay. So how do we how do we test ourselves? Going back to Second Corinthians thirteen five, where it says, Examine yourselves, test yourselves, make sure that you're in the faith. How do we do that? Well, let's all go to the book of first John. And I call this the conversion test. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> there it is. <coughs> Sorry. Okay, so the conversion test. You go through the book of First John. And this is the, the ultimate test of whether or not you're saved. Go through this test. Go through this book, this epistle, and examine yourself in light of what it says. We're going to do that today. And you know, in studying the book of 1 John, there's... 11 different tests that God gives us to examine ourselves in light of his scripture, in light of the Bible. And I've boiled them down to three different tests. You've got the test of obedience, the test of love, and the test of faith. And we all know that baseball season is starting soon, so three strikes, you're out. Okay? So let's start with obedience. Now, all of these tests are all in 1 John, so I'm not going to give the 1 John every time. I'm just going to give the verse and reference, or the uh, chapter and verse. Uh, 1, 3 through 7 talks about walking in light or darkness. If we say that we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in dark I'm sorry as he is in the light we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin 
So I'm assuming that everyone in this room, since it is a church, you say that you have fellowship with Jesus Christ. You say that you're a Christian, that you're a believer. Are you walking in darkness? Examine your life. Do you, does your life match up today to the rest of your life throughout the week? If you're walking in darkness, there's cause for concern. And going down to verses 8 through 10, it says, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Think about that for a second. Now, a lot of people, uh, going back to the verses 6 and 7 that I shared, they'll say, oh, well, if you have any sin, then, then you're not a Christian. They, they say you have to be perfect. You cannot sin a single time after being saved, or you're not really saved. They use those verses for that. But that's taken out of context. Because if you go down just one verse, it says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. So obviously, we sin. No one is perfect, except one, that's Jesus. He's the only man who's ever lived who has never sinned. All of us, we wrestle with the flesh. We have that uh, temptation every day to sin. And it says that if we confess our sins, he'll forgive us. That's awesome. But again, it goes on. It says, if we have not sinned, we make him a liar. Who a liar? If we say we have not sinned, we make God a liar. Well, that's not right. Because the Bible earlier says, God cannot lie. And his word is not in us. Talking about his word there. That's another title or another term for Jesus and I didn't go into it but right at the beginning of 1st John it, it, it expounds on that a little bit about Jesus being the word of God so is Jesus in you do you have eternal life you know, let me go back to that that which was from the beginning, uh, verse 1, that which was from the beginning which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. Here, here the term, word of life, okay? The life was made manifest and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. 
That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. So the word of life. It goes on to say the life was made manifest. That's Jesus. You remember going back to the original John? John 1.1. 1, 1, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Down to 14. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Talking about Jesus. And it also says that it's talking about eternal life. You know, and, and it's an interesting, an interesting uh, section of scripture here. I, it, it, uh, it's amazing what this says if you really unpack it. It almost sounds like Jesus and eternal life are one and the same thing. Now you're probably sitting there thinking, well, duh. But think about that. How many other religions or how many people say that there's many ways to heaven? A lot. But there's, you know, they, they all say that you can get eternal life this way, that way, and the other way. You know, even, even some Christian, quote-unquote Christian churches say there's many ways to heaven. We just choose Jesus. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that without Jesus, you aren't getting eternal life because they are one and the same. If you don't have Jesus, you don't have eternal life. Rabbit trail. Let me get back to what I'm trying to share with you today. Chapter 2, verses 24 through 29, talks about abiding in Christ. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he made to us, eternal life. Do you abide in Christ? Again, this is all under that first part of the test, obedience. Do you abide with Christ? Do you walk in righteousness? Do you do what God tells you to do? Now, I'm not talking about the Old Testament laws, the sacrificial laws, the ceremonial laws. Those were done away with. Those were fulfilled in Christ. But as we'll see in, in a little while, there's, there's new commandments for the New Testament. Who remembers what the two greatest commandments are that Jesus gives? Just raise your hand. Essentially, it's love God and love others, right? Are you doing that every day? Even just those two? I mean, I, I could go, you know, to the Ten Commandments. We could name them all off and we'd all be falling short, but how about just those two? You know, those two actually sum up the law and the prophets, as Jesus said. First four talk about loving God. The last six are about loving others. Do you always put others before you? Do you always put God first above everything? Another point to examine yourself on. Chapter 3, verses 3 through 10, 
everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. Down to verse 6. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Now again, this is one of those verses that the sinless perfectionists like to use to say that you can't have any sin in your life or you're not saved. That's not what this means. It says, if you make a practice of sin, if you are continually sinning. For example, men, late at night, no one's around, sitting in front of the computer, do you regularly take the time to browse websites that you know you should not be browsing? You can hear the rest of the message at muniacfamily.com. And until next week, the fields are ripe for the harvest. So what are you waiting for? Get out there and share your faith. God bless you.